Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted to continue to find ways to give back to individuals that want to get into this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'll have the privilege to sit down with top-ranking professionals in our industry. You'll hear their career path, what they look for in successful people, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Time certainly flies. It is crazy to think it's season four of 52 Weeks of Hustle already. With season four, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are current in the industry and three hustle hot seat questions. And three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. Gaining experience early on in your life and your career is always beneficial for the long term. Our next guest started gaining real life experience very early on has been able to turn that into a very successful career. I'm excited to have Rob Sign, Chief Revenue Officer at Access Ticketing. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks to be here. I've been enjoying this for a long time. No, pr- appreciate all the support and very excited to dive into your illustrious career and you know, starting at the beginning, you, you kind of grow up and you go to attend Penn State University and receive a degree in organizational communications. When did it hit you that you wanted to have a career in that sports industry? Well, I knew I always wanted to. I didn't know what it was going to be in. Um, I figured that was the best way because I loved it so much. I thought marketing and promotions was the best way to get into it. But in college, I wanted to learn how to get in front of a group of people and talk. And that was that was something that I thought could be useful and could transform uh, quite a bit. And then I happened to have some family members that like, one ran Fox Sports Chicago and a couple other people around the country. And so I was able to talk to them and kind of get some insights from them that that led me to, okay, this is how you get in. And they very quickly said, if you can produce revenue, you will always have a job. So it was interesting to kind of see my path. Started off in marketing and promotions, you know, doing intermissions or, or halftime shows and things like that. And then um, realized I could make as much money as I wanted to in revenue and, and still do what I thought was marketing and promotions. And I, I jumped at the chance to, to get into revenue after that. But um, I just always loved sports, had a great passion for it, loved I like to watch how things were put together during the games and how everything was scripted and segmented. And so that was always what attracted me to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they always kind of talk about like compensation, certainly like drives behavior at times and, and yeah. revenue. You can make as much money as, as you want. And yeah. you got right into the revenue. You started in the sports industry with the Milwaukee Bucks selling group tickets. Looking back at that time, what do you feel like you did early on to really help solidify that, you know what, this is the path I'm going to take? Well, the first thing I did was I always started thinking big, and I still do it today. I, I, I always joke I still have that group sales mentality. So for me, what I realized when I was said they, they said, "Hey, you're gonna be the first group sales manager in Milwaukee Bucks," and the league isn't really focused on group sales, and not a lot of teams are either. But go sell big groups of people to come to our games. And now, by the way, we're not all that great. Um, so I started thinking, why make one phone call when I can, make, you know, or why make a hundred phone calls when I can make one to hopefully close pretty much the same as I could with a hundred. So instead of calling a school, call school districts. Instead of calling, you know, a Boy Scout troop, call the, the regional office and things like that. And so for me, it was, wow, I can begin to affect this. I can make less phone calls and be more impactful, have less meetings, be more impactful. And that for me was really kind of the mantra that got me to focus on 
how I could do this and, and be successful at it and stand out from from everything else that was happening. So for me, it was always that methodology of thinking big. I didn't want to sell a hundred tickets. I wanted to sell a thousand. And um, it really helped propel me in, in that role. And, you know, I said the team wasn't very good, but my first year there, they made the NBA Eastern Conference Finals game seven. And I'm thinking, how hard is this? Then? This is awesome. Everybody wants to buy a ticket. This team's great. And in the seven years as in the NBA, that was the one year we made the playoffs. And so <laughs> I learned I learned real quick to have enjoyed that you know fleeting moment. And then I got really good at selling bad basketball after that. Yeah, that's it. And something you said a couple times that I love, you know, I always say is like, if I've always been taught, if you have to think, think big um, and, and in everything you do, whether you're selling group tickets or anything else. And so from there, you kind of rob in your career, you stay within the NBA, you go into the Seattle Supersonics, then the Portland Trailblazers, you know, in premium and leadership. Why did you feel like leadership was the right path for you? Well, I wasn't a very good leader at the beginning, but it was what everybody aspired to. I always joke, especially now where we are in our careers, to think when I was a group sales manager, the farthest I could see in the trajectory of my career was a VP of ticketing. That was it. And so I was like, that's what I want to be. Yeah, there was a team president, but I'm like, I'll never, I'll never get to that level. I'll be a VP of ticketing and that's what I'll be forever. And as so I started to kind of follow that very then traditional uh, format of, okay, you go from manager to director to senior director to VP, perhaps whatever. And so I thought leadership was going to be important. And one of the things that happened to me that happens a lot in sales is that if you're good at selling, and I was one of the best in the league, that means you're automatically going to become a manager. Well, nobody teaches you how to become a manager. So I got in, became a manager because they're like, if you can do that by yourself, you can teach 10 people how to do it. Yep. I was off. I was awful as a manager at the very beginning because I'm like, well, if I can think about how to do this, dummy, why can't you do it? Just, to my just sales repeat staff. what that, I'm doing. Yeah, that didn't go over very well. Yep. So um, I knew leadership was where I wanted to get because I want to make a bigger organizational impact. I've always been that kind of entrepreneur at heart. And how do I make the biggest impact possible? And um, got in as a manager and was tasked with that. And it wasn't until I got to the Portland Trailblazers where I had hired some staff, um, let a few people go for performance. And my boss said, listen, we'll do this one more time. And then I'm letting you go. He said, Rob, you're really good with clients. You're really good with clients. You need to think of your staff like they're clients of yours. So how do you take care of them the same way you would people that were buying tickets from you? And it clicked and dawned on me and shifted um, how I thought about being a manager and how I thought about being a leader. And it really propelled me to where I am today, my ability to make an impact and, and help be a part of leading people thinking that way. And that was one of the things I learned the most during my time. No, absolutely. And you know, Rob, after spending years on the team side, you decided to kind of open your own company, Hands-On Sports and Entertainment. A lot of people, a lot of listeners probably say, one day I want to start my own company, but there's a lot of variables and there's a lot of challenges. But what made you decide to kind of finally embark on that journey? If you want the truth, I got fired. Um, so that's the truth of it. So my vice president who gave me that great advice at the Trailblazers um, left to go to the Milwaukee Brewers. And so suddenly there was no VP of ticketing and the, they decided to put ticketing under corporate sponsorship sales. And sponsorship sales doesn't always know ticketing real well um, or didn't back then. And so the VP of sponsorship sales was like, great. I don't know what to do with you guys. There was me and a director of season ticket sales. They said, both of you compete to be the VP and one of you will get it. 
Well, he campaigned super hard. I didn't campaign. This is another lesson I learned. I did not campaign. I didn't want to play politics. My department was killing it. We'd gone from 29th in the league to 13th. You can tell I've told the story before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought my work will speak for itself. Well, it didn't. He got the job. Um, I got demoted. And then about a month and a half, not demoted, I got kept flat, had to report to him. And about a month and a half later, they wanted to fire 10 people in the company to save salaries, to help bring in a chief marketing officer, to help save the brand of, we were known as the jailblazers, Jailblazers, um, to save the brand of the Portland trailblazers. And so they needed to fire people to save his money, to come hire him. And they thought my department's on autopilot. We don't need Rob anymore. He didn't get the VP job. We'll let him go. And so I, (laughs) I get fired. Um, totally not work-related. They just said, hey, we don't need you anymore. And um, that was three weeks before Christmas. Um, I had twin daughters who were six months old. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? I had already moved from Milwaukee to Seattle to Portland. Um, I went interviewed with the Cincinnati Reds and was offered the VP a ticketing job for them and sat there before I took it and said, you know what? I'll be bored in two years or I don't want to move again. Um, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to open up my own shop. And that's the long story that led to that decision is I had a good kick in the pants to help me do it. But I also knew that I knew something that not a lot of people in the business were focused on, and that was group ticket sales. And so I was able to carve out a niche that was not the same as everybody else. And that was important to me. And so when I created hands-on sports, that was the impetus and focus. And the name of the company came from, I thought, what do most consultants do? They walk in and tell you what's wrong and then leave. I wanted to tell you what was wrong and then help you fix it and be very hands-on. And so literally on a plane from Dallas to Portland one night, I was writing out naming ideas and that's what I came up with. And here it is. Well, certainly appreciate the vulnerability. And, and to your point, like many times this business, you have to bounce back and, uh, you know, bounce yep. back in a big way. And it, you found that niche of, of something that's needed. You After six years of, of really having a successful company, you kind of you probably got the itch a little bit to get back into the college space first as the vice president of the Pac-12 conference and the president of Learfield IMG College Ticket Solutions. As you think about it, like how and I, I know there's a lot of similarities, but like how does college ticketing, you know, kind of a 30,000 feet view compare to professional sports ticketing? It is. I wouldn't say night and day because that's too extreme, but it's pretty close. You know, professional sports, you look at it from the dynamic pricing, the variable pricing, the resale, the distribution, um, premium seating, uh, contracts, uh, all the things that go into how uh, eccentric professional sports ticketing is and all the things that are thought about and the resources are put into it. And college ticketing has been very black and white for a long time. And it's been very much focused on um, we'll put our season tickets on for sale. The same people that have been buying it for 30 years are going to buy them. We may raise prices. We may not based on team performance. I've had some teams, some colleges tell me they just put a finger in the air and say, we went seven and six this year or seven and four. Let's not raise prices. I mean, like SEC schools that would say that to me. So then you've seen them. I remember trying to convince a school one time to go to digital ticketing. They're like, I'm like, just try it at one gate. Mind blown. Our, all of our fans are going to hate it. Just try it at one gate. You'll see. You'll like it. I'm sure. So you know, it was a it was another pr- teaching moment where you had to go in and say, "Hey, listen, I know all this from the professional level. You guys don't. Let me help get you there." And so it was a it was a gradual process. But I'd say in general, they're pretty close now, but but not um, nowhere near as sophisticated as the pro sports level is even today. But it 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 was it was a pretty stark difference. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, 
you know, Rob, on your end, just over five years ago, you joined Access Ticketing as the CRO. And you you really, with your role now, you focus on kind of new partnership acquisition, marketing, resale partnerships, sponsorship, account management for over 350 partners worldwide in, in professional, collegiate, arenas, esports, music, you kind of name it. I know the easiest answer is no day is ever the same, but but walk the listeners through what a, what a day looks like for you. Well, a day usually starts with a roundup. We've got a we've got a pretty mature sales team that is all over the world, actually, um, between Australia, London, um, all over North America. Um, so sitting down and talking to them, kind of huddling up with them on on what a, this is what a Monday is like on on you know working with our or working with our UX design team on what projects. Uh, what RFPs we're in the middle of, what design things we need, then going through with each of the sales team on what's important for them for the upcoming week, focusing on the pitches, the deals, the trips they're taking, the industry events that we're focused on being at, whether it's a conference or inviting clients out to a Coachella or Stagecoach or the Grammys, something like that, but figuring out the combination between um, you know, making sure you're providing good service to current clients, whining and dining future clients, um, and then, and then taking care of everybody else in between. So it's going through and looking at what's, what's on our, you know, 30, 60, 90 kind of pipeline list. What are the big industry things we need to be focusing on? Um, do we need to go make a trip to New York and go see professional league offices and spend time with the NFL and the NBA and uh, right. NHL, et cetera, and educate them on what access is bringing to the table? Um, you know, it could be talking about the new festivals that are, that are popping up, um, renewals of major golf tournaments or golf, you know, golf, uh, sponsors or, or clients that we have, et cetera. So, um, and that's just kind of domestically. And then you, you take many versions of that around the world and go and have the same conversation about what's happening in the UK or in Asia or in Australia. Australia is relatively a new office. So it's going through the process of building out with them and taking the infrastructure that we have with Salesforce and the UX UI design team and helping them understand how they can use it. And there's language changes and things like that. So that at a high level is really kind of the process of going through it. And then it's, you know, spending the day talking to current clients and being involved in pitches that are, that are happening. We got really accustomed to that over zoom. We doubled the size of the company over zoom. So 350 is probably closer to 600 now um, as we've gone through coming out of the pandemic. So then a lot of pitches over zoom uh, traveling a whole lot more. So, you know, yeah. each week could involve a trip, you know, whether it's to a conference or whether it's to go see a client next week, headed, uh, headed to Texas to go see some people. So, um, you know, it's, it's a nice combination of kind of juggling all that. And then you start to have conversations with, you know, different departments internally to talk about, okay, what's happening in sponsorship sales, what's happening, um, on account management for, you know, is, is a current client upset or current client have questions. Then you start looking at product, product timelines, um, what our roadmap looks like and really understanding the technology, which goes back into the sales pitch or things we promised clients. So, it can be quite a bit that you work through and 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 figure out, but that's those are a number of the topics that are pretty much considered every single day. Kind of some of those priorities, and it's kind of all over the place at times, but which I'm sure makes yep. it very enjoyable. And we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Rob Sign, Chief Revenue Officer at Access Ticketing. And Rob, let's get into three hot topics. Your question one, the ticketing landscape has evolved quite a bit over the years. A big part of that is distribution, whether that be open, closed, somewhere in the middle. What are your thoughts on the future of that? Well, I love it. I was talking to somebody yesterday and we were talking about this and the different ticketing companies that are out there. And uh, one of the ones that we always hear was, well, somebody's marketing, you know, database maybe bigger than yours and my response is you know fish where the fish are look we spent you can spend so much money trying to convince people to come to your website to come to your uh you know you know whatever it is that you want to drive them to um access.com ticketmaster.com seekgeek.com whatever or instead you can put the tickets where the consumer habits and behaviors already are established where they already know to go look and so from a distribution standpoint if i can take a ticket that a access client wants to sell and put it out in front of 10 million people who already go through um, and use the StubHubs or Vivids or, or SeatGeeks or Ticketmasters or whoever the world, Facebook, they like to buy tickets off Facebook or uh, Songkick or things like that. Why not put the tickets there already and just let them give them the flexibility and the convenience of purchasing the ticket from that standpoint? So distribution for me is a big piece to the success that ticketing in general has in the future is fish where the fish are instead of trying to you know, dig a new channel and move the water and move the fish. Yeah, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. And Rob, question two, in this business, we constantly talk about being efficient, effective, and you you just talked about kind of no days the same. And there's a lot of moving pieces, whether it be travel and Zoom, et cetera. You're currently overseeing a variety of those business units all across the country. What's your advice on just prioritizing every day? Um, efficiency and effectiveness is funny. It's a question that I always ask in interviews, which would you rather be? And to me, the answer is effective. Um, if it takes me twice as long to get the job done, that's fine. It takes me half about half as much time to do it. I don't care. Just get the job done, be effective at it. Um, prioritizing for me is, is, is really, you've got to have your hallmarks. What are the, what are the two or three things that are the most important, the most paramount to deal with period? then everything else gets put into the other bucket. So if you're not doing something that's focusing on one of those two or three items that are the most important, the fundamentals to your job, generate revenue, generate partners, keep partners happy, whatever it would be, um, and it falls into another category, then it can be put off to the side. So for me, it's always about taking care of current clients first, um, and then putting the effort into um, helping new clients understand our why and see if it matches up with theirs um, to, to, you know, to get them from a biz dev standpoint. But but really, it's about you've got to cut out the noise and focus on what are the things that I'm going to be evaluated on at the end of the day in a very simplest format. And if I'm not putting as much effort as I can into that, then I'm setting myself up for challenges down the road. And finally, question three, Rob, we've talked about working for the right people and and being around, surround yourself with the right people. 
knowing that they'll care about you, certainly invest in you both personally and professionally in your long-term career. What's your advice on finding a mentor or mentors early on in your career? Yeah, I've been fortunate um, to have a number of people throughout it and in, in, throughout the years. And you have to have it. First off, you have to be vulnerable to put yourself out there to say, hey, can I talk to you about my career? Can I ask you questions? Can I can you can I call you once in a while? But you have to have that because, you know, no matter what you're feeling or thinking, people have been in your shoes before. I've been fired. So I can talk to anybody that's been fired before um, and tell them my experience and understand and have empathy from them from that standpoint. I've also gone from the team track to consultant to agency side of the house. So I get asked all the time career-wise by people, of, you know, do I want to stay at the team level? I'm an SVP. I don't know if I'll be a CRO. Do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to go to the agency side? You've got to find some people that you can surround yourself with that um, you can, A, learn from, including different experiences outside of the industry you might be currently in that you can apply to that. And then, B, you know, have people that understand the the plight of what you're going through and what you're, you know, and it can help kind of refocus you. And then lastly, they can give you some tough love at times, too. You know, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago where I said, hey, listen, you're, you know, your reputation is, is that you're soft. And I don't mean vulnerable. I meant just that you complain a lot. And so you've got to get to a point where you're either finding a new job or correcting your attitude and behavior and rocking out in the business that you're currently in now. So I'd say it's one of the most valuable things you can do. That's why everybody that reaches out to me on LinkedIn, I don't care who they are. I say they want to talk. Sure. Let's sit down and have a conversation and always make myself available to them because I know I'm here today because of people that have given me a hand up along the way. No, and I certainly appreciate that. And certainly not only the advice, but, you know, for all listeners out there, you know, take Rob up on it, you know, to, to your point, you're going to do it. Um, and certainly appreciate that. You know, Rob, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey to, to close it out. I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? All right, let's go. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mexican food. Love it. What anything is a tortilla? Anything tortillas. What's a fashion trend that you would love to see come back? Ties. Nobody wears ties anymore except for you. I that's my favorite thing. I then Mike dropped at that point. I love it. Um <laughs> if, if you hosted a talk show, who would be your first guest? Oh man. Um I, my 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 brain goes to Elon Musk. I just think he has so many fascinating things, and he looks at the world a whole lot differently than a lot of people do from a business standpoint. Yeah, Rob, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Uh, the one is my motto, and anybody that knows me or has ever come across me knows this. I say this: hope is not a strategy. If you ever cross your fingers and hope you're going to get somewhere absolutely not going to happen. Number two, you've got to know your why. Why do you get out of bed every morning? And why should anybody care what you're doing? And number three, you know, lead with your heart, put your heart into this. We are blessed beyond belief to be a part of this, to be a part of this industry or whatever industry you're in, but show your emotion, show your energy, your passion, your enthusiasm, um, because that's real life. We're not, I, I, the scariest thing in this world is being complacent and just getting in, you know, getting into the rat race and, and existing. Um, be passionate, put your heart into it. But those are the three I would, I would leave uh, your listeners with. Rob, thank you so much. What a great career. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. And it's great to see you. Thank you again. I really appreciate what you're doing. This is extremely helpful in the industry. Thank you so much. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. 
Have a great week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.